Hello from the sunny beaches of St. Kitts and Nevis. Welcome to Dextrocardia, your one-stop shop podcast for everything related to life as a Caribbean medical student. I'm your host, Nihal Satyadev, a second-year medical student at the University of Medicine and Health Sciences. Disclaimer, the opinions expressed by guests of this podcast do not reflect the opinions or views of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Dextrocardia. We are here in our TA Tips series, and we have with us today Raven Goodwin from UMHS. So Raven, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. Um, This is my fifth semester at UMHS, so I'm almost done with the island, technically, but we're, you know, online. Um, I like to watch movies, and I like to hang out with family and friends most of the time um, when I'm not studying, of course. Um, I love to teach material to students that are below my class. Um, I TA'd anatomy for probably three semesters, I think it was, and I also TA'd anatomy for in my undergrad as well. But due to COVID, I had to switch to something else, and I switched to neuro. Um, so far, it's been so good. Um, that's about it about me so far. Yeah, Raven was uh, my TA for anatomy as well, so I can definitely vouch that she's a great teacher and is able to break down the material super well. So really excited to uh, to hear from you on how we can do good in neuro. So neuroscience, just like every other class, we have three blocks and a final. So what can we kind of expect in each block? And is there a block that you think is the most difficult? Um, so when you first go into neuro, um, you really get the breakdown in the first week of like how things are going to be broken down. So like block one, you're pretty much going to be taught everything below the neck. So spinal cord and symptoms that have to do with that. And then, um, you go into more details of certain diseases and you learn the differences and um, like lower motor neuron and upper motor neuron damages to based off how to specify whether they're going to have spastic or they're going to have like atrophy and they're not going to be able to move their muscles as much. You also get into details about um, the autonomic nervous system as well. So learning about, you know, norepinephrine, epinephrine, and, you know, diseases you can get from that. You go over neural development, which is very important because in order to know what's going on, you have to know like where you begin, kind of like one of our professors said to us in EBS1. Um, when you get to block two, it gets a little bit more difficult. Um, you're going to do things that are going to be above the neck, and that's going to go around with you know cranial nerves and blood supply to the brain and problems with the brain in that, in that breakdown in that area. Um, when you get to block three, you're going to go into extra things, not so much. It's going to be more like overall. So I, one thing I really liked when it comes to block three is like imaging. You get to see MRI, CT scans, learning the differences between the two, learning what's a bleed looks like versus what cysts look like in the MRIs. You also learn about like other brain like things as well, I guess, when it comes to the basal ganglia and learning how you get Parkinson's and you know how you get 
Huntington's disease and then you go to special senses and you'll go into like the olfactory, you know, hearing, seeing, vision is very important and it's very complex in that area as well. And you go into tumors and learning how the blood brain barrier works and that all correlates to basically the first day of class because the first, when you learn in block one, it's not really different from block two or block three. It's more of an add-on information. It's never just, oh, once you're done with block one material, you can go to block two. No, that's not gonna happen. You need to understand block one in order to get through the rest of the class. And I think that's like what people have a hard time understanding because I know a lot of other courses, you can kind of go from, oh, we went over heart and lungs and you know now we're going over abdomen and legs for block two kind of thing and neuro that's not like that at all just because you have a problem in the spinal cord it does not mean you don't have the problem in the brain stem or the brain you have to like keep everything tied in together and never forget anything from like what you learned the day before yeah I think that's a really good take on the difference between something like neuroscience versus uh, another class like histology where uh, the things you learn in block three might be very different from what you learned in block two, but as someone who's taking neuroscience right now, I can absolutely see what you're saying. The very basics of what we learned in like the corticobulbar tract and the corticospinal tract and what happens if you damage those are so relevant to all of the brainstem lesions um, and continue to be relevant when you understand how uh, the cerebrum ties into certain tracts, or sorry, the cerebellum ties into certain tracts and uh you know your optic uh reflexes and things of that nature it all kind of comes together so that's a really really good point so how you know given that that's how the class is set up what can we do to ensure that we continue to know the material through the course of the classes there are like certain things which we should spend more time on so that we know them well in each block or how is it possible to like remember everything for every block? I wouldn't really say it's remembering, it's more understanding the material because if you don't understand day one's material, there's no point of remembering that. Um, I guess like if you have any questions, what I found myself doing, anything that I was confused on or that I wasn't so much exact on, I had to ask Dr. D, our professor, the question right then and there, because spending two days being confused on something will mess you up for the future to come. I guess like, I guess I had a question on the cortical spinal tract. I didn't know where it synapsed at. And because I didn't know that it went to the internal caps and I was putting it with, you know, that's a motor tract. But if I was putting it with sensory tract, that would mess me up for a whole week until I asked him and I said, oh, internal capsule is motor that's different than, you know, going to the VPL or the thalamus area when it comes to sensory, when it's like spinothalamic or dorsal column, stuff like that. So I really would just say, if you understand the material, that's best, then go there for, to remember things and repetition that and overdo it over and over again. But I think it all comes down to making sure you comprehend and understand the basics. Yeah, that's a really good point because if I look back now that you're saying it, there weren't really that many things to memorize in neuro compared to like something like anatomy. Uh, but on the flip side, 
there are so many concepts which are complicated that, yeah, like if I didn't understand one part of one concept, I could easily mislearn like three other things uh, had I not spent more time on exactly. that initial concept. So that's a, that's a really good point. I just think there's a lot of new terms that we have not heard of before either. So like, I guess, and when you're talking about the thalamus or when you're talking about internal capsule, I, I heard a lot of students get kind of confused on what's the, you know, what's the VPL and VPM and VL and VA of the, you know, thalamus. And they're confusing it with the posterior versus the anterior limb of internal capsule. They're all right next to each other, but they all have different tracks going on. So that's why it's best to just understand first before you try to memorize. Yeah, that's a good point. So that brings us kind of to another part of neuro, which is not so much of the conceptual part, but it's more so of the image recognition part and the ability to look at sagittal sections, coronal sections, uh, sometimes transverse sections, and being able to identify different brain structure. So do you have any tips for how to go about doing that? Well, first, I would go over like the PowerPoint slides, pictures, and seeing like what they look like, because like you said, there's different cuts of the brain. And I would try to just keep going over those before I went to other resources. So I would go over the axial, the transverse, you know, horizontal, and then coronal cuts. And then I would go to Google and look at other pictures of how they cut and how their, you know, internal, you know, their dark matter versus white matter looks and compare those to the pictures that we had that we were given in class. Most of the time, the professor is going to give you a picture that he's already shown you before on the exam, but that doesn't work for steps. So you have to look at other things and other resources. Like I just used Google personally, but I know that there might be some other people that might have gone to certain books and used those. I believe I use the Lippincock book sometimes just in case to go over some of that stuff. But other than that, I kind of just went to Google. Okay, and that brings us to the resources that are good for this class. So what are, you mentioned Lippincott is a good resource. Obviously Google exists for a lot of classes and very helpful with images. So are there other resources that you used or would recommend to students? I most definitely used Kaplan. Um, most definitely used that. It helped a lot when it came to the end of the semester as opposed to the beginning because once you learned everything, you were able to do that. You know, you were able to, I guess, be able to piece everything together because sometimes Kaplan gives you things out of order, especially the QBank. It doesn't really give you things in, in relation to what your professor teaches you. Um, other than that, I used the BRS Neuroanatomy book and I believe the Lippincock book as well. Sometimes I use Zonky because that helped with like the flashcards going over and over again with things. I think that helped as well. Yeah, I definitely uh, found Kaplan to be super helpful. So definitely agree with you on that, both the videos and the questions. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Very cool. So what uh, now you're doing your review sessions. So that's once a week and you're going over the material from the last week. So how are your review sessions set up and how have you found them to be uh, helpful for students? Um, 
So pretty much the week's material that they've gone over from Monday through Friday, I try to make a review of that. And I pretty much highlight the important points that I found on my exam when I took the class at that time. Um, the questions that I have seen before and I tried to write down while I was taking the course what the TAs with what their suggestions were what their questions were as well so I try to like get at least two semesters worth of or three semesters worth of questions and material that they have seen and put it all into the review that I make for Fridays and just pretty much give them as much information as I can questions that I've seen before, kind of word the question, how I've seen the question worded before, because there's a lot of times that the questions that Dr. D might write might not be the same as how, you know, the BRS book or the Lippincott book might write the questions. Dr. D is a little bit more complex compared to the book questions. So I try to, you know, get as much information from Dr. D's notes and Dr. Lee's notes and try to make the question that way for them. So we do approximately maybe 20 to 20 it depends on the class material that they've gone over if it's like thalamus for example we probably had 15 slides on that and i pulled up all the highlights from thalamus if it was the basal ganglia like we just did two weeks ago um i pretty much gathered 30 slides and then i added maybe 10 questions that i had seen before questions that dr d might have written me questions that i've seen other tas find or questions that I've seen in the book and I put them at the end of the slides and we go over that material. I try to explain each concept twice that is a complex concept. So when it comes to the Huntington's disease or Bellissimus disease, how they have the indirect pathway affected, I try to explain that twice. So it's not just like the first time hearing it. And it, I know like when the professor explains it, it might sound like a lot. And I know that the professor Dr. D might explain it again, and it's still quite not right. So I try to explain it at least twice as well. So if you didn't understand it, at least you know exactly like how many times this is important or what's inhibited versus what's stimulated. So if you keep hearing the same things over and over, eventually it won't be as confusing as it was when you first heard it. Yeah, that's a really good strategy. So do you end up having time to do the questions itself during your review, or do you end up just leaving those questions on your PowerPoints for students to do outside of the review? Um, every review, except for one, we've done all the questions together. We broke down each question, and if everyone got the question right and no one seemed to be confused, we move on. But if there was, you know, a couple people confused, or one person confused we would spend some time and break it down sometimes we go a little over an hour it might be a little additional 10 minutes if even but um, only one time we weren't allowed and that was just due to the amount of material and the schedule change at the last minute for me so that was the only time because I had added more it's based off of I think thalamus or, or I think I did I think it was hypothalamus I'm sorry hypothalamus was added that I was not aware of because I didn't have hypothalamus on my block two exam. So that was the only reason why we weren't able to go over those questions. Totally. And I would always open up my email and my WhatsApp. So if people did have questions on the questions I gave them, they could always message me and I would text it back to them or call them and explain it to them. Yeah, it sounds like you're a very accessible TA even during COVID. So uh, that's, uh, that's very nice to know. Um, so you shared a little bit about 
um, about some of the strategies in terms of the sources you used and your asking of questions right away. Are there other general learning strategies which you think are very applicable to this class that either you yourself used or you see students who you are TAing right now who are doing well in the class use? Um, as for students, they always ask me what I did to do well in courses and I'm not going to make it seem like I'm great at neuro because I also had a downfall in neuro as well. Um, block two was my hardest course, but when it comes to doing well, what I thought, I guess towards the end of block two's material, what I found was helpful was that I drew out everything. I pretty much drew out the differences in the brainstem when it comes to caudal brainstem, rostral brainstem, and mid, you know, mid areas, just like in that in that area and I would break down like what was medial versus lateral because that's important when it comes to the diseases that you're going to see and where you get lesions in those areas and also it's very important you know when you break down where the blood supply is going to so I made charts and I made webs to decide like oh you know it comes off vertebral or it comes off of posterior cerebral and where do those branches come off of and then where do those branches go and what part of the brain do they supply so I was I did a lot of drawing towards the end of the semester and I think that helped me when it came to the final because I was able to recall what I drew and a lot of students are doing that as well right now that have talked to me and they said that, that it was helping them right now yeah, and yours the first class I've actually done something like that, and I thought it was pretty helpful for block two. Uh, I don't know what triggered me to do it. It would have been nice if, uh, if I talked to you earlier about this and kind of gotten that tip, but I think it was more so that it's very hard to do lesions and do some of the more intricate blood supply of the brain without drawing it out. Like, it's just not something you can use Anki for as much which is something I try to stick to for like everything else. So uh, that was, that's a, that's a really good uh, strategy. And then on the flip side, what do you see uh, students who are maybe not doing so well? What are some of the pitfalls that you see them, uh, see them doing that is maybe not the most effective way to study? Um, just reading the slides. I think that that confused, just reading the slides is not enough. I need, I mean, maybe it might be enough for some people, but I've seen like if you actually write it out or type it out or draw it out as opposed to just reading it, it might be a little bit more helpful. And then also I see some students, I guess, even in the class with me using too many resources. And sometimes I think that might confuse people because I've seen like uh, some of my classmates say, oh, I read, you know, this book, this book, and this book, and I went to the internet and did this, and I did this, and, it, you know, it, once you get up to three or four sources, and they're, and they're not saying the same thing, or you're confusing yourself with that, I think that you're going to hurt yourself, because when you get to the actual question, and you don't understand it, I think that hurts you, honestly. But if you went to the professor and just asked him, you know, right then and there when you had confusion, instead of reading all those sources, I think that could have helped. Yeah, it's always interesting that people would rather go through a, like a fourth source than just ask the question. Um, yeah. I never really understood that. And I think that's a theme that's been coming up in 
throughout this series has been go ask the professor ASAP if you don't understand something. And I think that's a, that's a really important point. So now you're in your fifth semester, you're, you finished Nero last semester and you're getting closer and closer to the step. So what strategies are you using to stay up to date on the material that you learned in, in Nero? I try to use Zanki from time to time when I have a little extra time to study because the courses that I'm in right now are very time consuming. Every single one, Path Farm and ICM are very time consuming, but it works out to a certain extent because in ICM right now, we're learning about neurological exams. So we're going over the cranial nerves. We're going over blood supply to certain areas of the brain. We're going over cerebellum and the type of gates that you get if you have a lesion in certain areas. And it helps me that I'm also TAing neuro because I get to go over the material every week with you guys. So it's kind of like a second time of me taking the course and I spend, you know, about an hour to, um, to go to make the review. And then I spend an hour and a half, you know, doing the review with students every Friday. So it works out in that area. I don't know about other students because I'm actually TAing the course. So that's kind of how I study it. So ICM is actually easy right now for me because we're going over stuff that I went over with the students two weeks ago or last week, or we're going over it this week. So I like it right now. Yeah, it's very interesting kind of being able to look at the same material in a much more applied way. And mm -hmm. just to explain some of the things which you've said, I think you mentioned Zonky twice. So for our listeners who might not know what that is, it's basically a... Anki deck, which is available on Reddit. It's Zonki, Z-A-N-K-I. And it basically has 95% of the material which you need to know for the step in a flashcard form. And very, has a, you know, huge section. I think it's probably more than like 1,500 cards on Neuro, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. It's a lot for Neuro. Yeah. And then the other thing which you mentioned, ICM, do you actually know what ICM stands for? Uh, yeah, because I totally, it's something <laughs> clinical medicine, but basically it's, uh, it's the like equivalent of like doctoring, basically your basically, clinical, like, the clinical stuff you learn before you get into your clinical rotations. It's basically, it's kind of tying in the basic sciences with the clinical experiences that you're getting ready to get into. Exactly, exactly. It's like introduction to clinical medicine, basically is what it's called. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So do you have uh, any other uh, final tips that you want to share, uh, whether it's for this class in general or for med school in general? I always say repetition. Um, whatever you do, go over it again and again and again, because I think that is what I have been slacking on as of the semester. I think it might be due to COVID. I'm not trying to blame anyone, but <laughs> it's not, um, fine. you're not blaming anyone. You're just blaming a virus. So that's fine. The virus, right. You know, whoever created that. Um, I'm just saying like in general, like, I guess it comes down to just 
trying to stay focused and doing whatever you can to stay focused in classes. I'm still working on it. So I'm not even like there yet to tell someone like, oh, I'm focused. You should stay focused too. I'm working on it every day. I was actually talking to someone who's studying for their step just yesterday. And even she's having like a hard time, you know, just staying focused with stuff with material and trying to like stay on top of studying and maintaining a certain amount of material you're supposed to have done in a day. Um, and also I would say just don't beat yourself up if you don't get everything that you want to get done, done. Because I think that puts a lot of like strain on the mental health that is. Cause I've seen myself like, wow, Raven, you couldn't get this done today. Like what were you doing all day? And you were studying for another course. So just get as much as you can get done because as long as you got that much done, you understand that much material. So don't try to rush the material that you want to learn. Those are really, really good tips. And we really appreciate you coming on to Dextrocardia. If any of the listeners have any suggestions for future topics or have any questions, you can reach us at dextrocardia.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for all of your tips, Raven. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. I feel so happy. Honestly, I like to share my knowledge or whatever I know to people. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you.